With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our latest edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast coming out of the 4th of July weekend. Our Football Insider subscribers asked Mary Kay all kinds of questions about Deshaun Watson, uh, a decision on a suspension and when that might come down, uh, a Baker Mayfield trade possibility, all sorts of things uh, our Football Insider subscribers wanted to ask about. And there, there are some non-quarterback questions as well in the second half of the podcast. Now, if you want to become a Football Insider subscriber and be one of our text subscribers, also get that daily newsletter delivered to your inbox and also get access to exclusive stories at cleveland.com slash browns. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns, click that blue banner at the top of the page, get info, get signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, Mary Kay, let's get right to it. Our Football Insider subscribers sending us questions. And of course, the Deshaun Robbins, uh, Deshaun Watson decision is hanging over. It's the decision from Sue L. Robinson is hanging over all of us as, as we record this. So we'll start with that this question uh, from Ken in Durham, North Carolina. He says, hey, Mary Kay, if either side is likely to appeal the decision of Sue L. Robinson, and Roger Goodell can make the punishment anything he wants, either harsher or softer. What exactly is the point of having Sue Robinson involved in the first place? It's a great question. Theoretically, this makes it so that Roger Goodell is not the judge, jury, and executioner. But you're right. The questioner is right. Uh, Because if this gets into the hands of Roger Goodell upon appeal, uh, he can do anything that he wants with it. The question is, would he really do that? Would he, if she said eight games, still go and abide by what the NFL really wanted and recommended, which was an indefinite suspension for a minimum of a year? Would he actually do that? Does that detract from what they're trying to do here? Does it send the message that, you know, this is a sham, the new way that we're going about this? Uh, So I think that he has to take that into account as well. Um, So this is the first time. It's a test case. Nobody knows exactly how this is going to work out. What we do know so far is that Sue L. Robinson is treating this more like she would a legal case in a courtroom than sort of a, you know, just, you know, a hearing or an arbitration or whatever the case may be. She's taking it very seriously. And uh, and that's good. She should be taking this very seriously. So, um, you know, it it. It remains to be seen. I do think it's good that there is that extra layer, an extra pair of eyes 
on these situations to see how an independent arbitrator feels about it. It might take them a while to work through uh, this new procedure so that it works for everyone. But I think that it's smart to at least have it in place and give it a try. And it at least creates a baseline, right? I mean, if she decides that it's four games or six games, then that would be quite the extreme for Goodell to say, no, it's the season. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 you know, then maybe you open up the door to legal proceedings uh, from there. So, so I guess she at least creates some kind of baseline that the NFL has to work off of. And, you know, obviously Goodell can do what he wants if she gives him games, but um, it, I, I guess that's, that's kind of the point of it too, is she's going to set, this is where you start from. If you want to increase it, that's fine. But like, if you're going to add 10 games or 12 games, that's going to be a little extreme. Absolutely. Um, so yes, that you're right. It kind of gives you a benchmark of, of what they are thinking after really going through this process very thoroughly and hearing both sides of it, uh, knowing the NFL's recommendation, knowing what the NFLPA wants, the fact that she asked for briefs to be filed so that she can study and really put a lot more thought into this. Uh, she's giving it a lot of time and a lot of care and it deserves that. So but you're right. I mean, for her to say four or six games and then for them to come back at a year, I, I just don't know it, what kind of a look that would be. And as you mentioned, he can also then sue in federal court. I mean, if the NFL comes back with the indefinite suspension for a year, he, he can go ahead and sue. And having said all that, we must keep in mind that a settlement can still happen. If the NFL feels like there's no way it's going to get what it wants, the indefinite for a minimum of a year, it could settle for eight. Same thing with the NFLPA, which I actually think the NFLPA would be fine with that. Um, maybe not everybody in Watson's camp would be fine with that, but I think the NFLPA expects that he's going to require some kind of discipline for uh, what, went, what went on. So um, I don't know. For some reason, I have felt ever since the hearing, like Deshaun Watson is going to get back on the field this season for maybe even as much as half the season it's it's always felt like it, you know the year thing started to feel more realistic as the process went along but it still always kind of felt like it, it would be a little bit surprising if he if they did end up getting that full year um out of this but you know even with with watson's camp if they're you know obviously he's maintained his innocence and i'm sure he doesn't believe there should be a suspension but you know just like in settling 20 of the 24 cases if they look at this situation and they say, you know what, let's just take the eight games. We, we know the contract structure, you know, is favorable to him, whether that's because of a potential suspension or just the way the Browns structure their contracts. It's, it's probably the latter, but it, either way, it's favorable to him. So, you know, just take the eight games and get back on the field and try and go win a Super Bowl. Yes. And, you know, I actually think that there is a world in which both sides can ultimately live with that. If there are certain uh, conditions that are met, there will have to be, you know, counseling, you know, perhaps working with women's groups, maybe donating a sum of money uh, to, you know, to the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center or something along those lines, you know? I mean, may maybe there is a way in which everyone can make this work. And if they bill it in such a way that uh, they include last year's entire missed season. I don't know if they can do that or justify that or not, but if they do uh, and maybe extract some money out of that, maybe he has to give back the, 
$10 million that he made last season or something. I don't know. I feel like there is a world in which uh, everybody can come away with this feeling like it is fair. So there was another question about this. Um, someone from the 917 area code asking us to tell them exactly how many games Deshaun will be suspended and the exact day and time we'll find out. And I bring that up because I think, uh, look, we, we were kind of talking about this. Nobody really knows exactly how this is going to go because we've never dealt with Sue Robinson before. We don't know how she operates. We don't know how she's going to handle this situation. Um, it, you know, I, I, I joked that unless you're, unless you're neighbors with Sue Robinson and maybe not even then you don't have any idea like, like how, what's going on in, in her head right now. Um, but I bring up this question because I, I, I guess a lot of fans kind of want to know a time frame of this. So the briefs you mentioned are due the week of the 11th, which is next week mm -hmm. from there, you know, that's when we start to get to a decision, but I mean, it's realistic that this thing could bleed into barring a settlement, you know, that week, kind of that week leading up to training camp, um, the training camp opens on the 27th and quarterbacks after, I don't have the exact report date in front of me, but he would have to report uh, a little bit before that to training camp. We might be going into that week potentially with this decision still. Potentially is exactly right. That could happen. And Sue L. Robinson is not going to make her decision based on getting Deshaun Watson into training camp by July 27th. I mean, she's just not going to do that. That's not how this works. I think everybody's already been exceedingly accommodating by making certain that there will be no trials that happen between August 1st and March 1st. I mean, really, when you think about it, Tony Busby didn't really necessarily have to agree to that. Um, but that's not how it's going to work with, with Sue L. Robinson. She is going to uh, do what this case requires, and she's going to give it that careful thought. And she's been a prosecutor before, and uh, she's she's very smart and very well respected. So I, you know, I think that um, if it does go into, you know, a couple of weeks down the road, then so be it. I mean, if she comes down with a ruling and they haven't settled yet, and one or the other side decides to appeal, you know, that's going to take another week or so to sort that through. And then depending on what happens there, the whole thing could end up in federal court the way that, that Tom Brady's suspension did end up in federal court. So, um, so yeah, this thing is not over quite yet. And, uh, it's very complicated. It is very, very complicated. And you're never going to make everybody happy. That That's for darn sure. There will probably be, you know, half the, the Browns fans that are going to be extremely upset, half that are going to say that it's fair. Either Watson's side is going to be unhappy. The NFL is going to be unhappy. You can't, the, the accusers are going to be unhappy. Let's not forget about the accusers. I mean, so this is, yeah, it's a very tricky and complicated situation. Um, but I have, again, I've just started to get some kind of a, a feeling. It's almost more of a gut feeling that somehow they're going to find a way to get Deshaun Watson on the field for the second part of the season. I don't know if the whole second half, but I think he'll play. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that way too. Um, just, but again, you know, this is something that could, I think we all, 
were thinking maybe it could happen last weekend, but of course that hearing stretched three days. It didn't happen. Um, I think it's just a reminder that this thing could kind of stretch longer than people expect and longer than people want. If the Browns don't have a decision by training camp in, in that case, how does that, I mean, how does that kind of hinder them? Do they still have to basically plan on, hey, he's probably going to be suspended, so we need to get Jacoby Brissett ready? Yeah, I think so. I think they're going to have to try to work hard to get Jacoby Brissett ready to start the season because I think everyone can agree on the fact that that Deshaun will probably be suspended for a certain amount of games. Um, and so I would think that that the focus becomes on how do you get Jacoby ready to start early on in the season, whether it's two, four, six, eight games or whatever. And they can still give Deshaun plenty of reps. He can still work on his own. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just going to be, it's not going to be ideal. It's not going to be ideal, but they knew that it wasn't going to be ideal when they signed up for this, right? When they traded for him, they knew that it was going to be difficult, at least in the beginning. And it certainly is going to be that. So just for reference, I I had put this out there. The Browns rookie report date is July 22nd. Um, and that's usually also when quarterbacks quarterbacks mm-hmm. kind of report a few days earlier too. So that, that's a date to keep in mind um, outside of that July 26th um, r- report date. So, uh, you know, again, it could uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, how all of this uh, plays out. So let's talk about Baker Mayfield, because why not? We go from Sean Watson to Baker Mayfield. This is what sure. people want to know. Uh, yep. David G and Beachwood. Uh, hey, Mary Kay. It has been widely acknowledged that it would be in the best interests of the Browns and Baker for Baker to be the quarterback this year if Watson is suspended for the season. Reading between the lines, it appears that Baker realizes this since he said it was likely that this would not happen with an emphasis on likely there. I kind of disagree with that statement, but is the reason the Browns are reluctant for this to happen due to players not wanting him back? First of all, the answer to that, the short answer to that is no. Baker still has plenty of support in the locker room, at least on the offensive side of the ball. I know there are plenty of defensive guys uh, that wanted an offense and a quarterback that could match up with what they were bringing to the table on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, But I think what happened when Baker spoke at his youth football camp the other day was that, um, that I think people got it in their minds that, um, that he was somehow saying, hey, if the Browns just are nice to me and reach out and ask me to come and start games for them, I will acquiesce and and stop, you know, pouting and digging my heels in and come back and, and play some football for the Cleveland Browns. And I just think that's an erroneous take on what happened at that youth football camp. I think the takeaway should have been, it's mutual that both sides want to move on. That's what people probably should have heard. If it ends up that Baker Mayfield is starting games for the Cleveland Browns, it's because their absolute earnest efforts to trade him fell through. They're still trying to trade him. And we can get to that as we move forward here in this AMK. But they're still trying to trade him. They still hope that he is with another team by the time training camp comes around. It's not like they're trying to reconcile. They're not reaching out to Baker and saying, please come play for us, Baker. Come on. We didn't mean to do things the way that we did it. It just worked out this way. You come back. Let's move forward. No, 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 no. That's not happening. They're trying to trade Baker Mayfield. 
They're hoping to get it done. Uh, so, and this has nothing to do with how the players feel about him. This has everything to do with the fact that once they went out and acquired Deshaun Watson, it was basically over, over for Baker Mayfield in a Cleveland Browns uniform. And he said as much during the youth camp, basically. So I think people need to kind of get on board with that. And I think there are a lot of people that keep wishing and hoping against hope that Baker is going to come back in and save this football team. And I just don't see it happening unless something drastically changes between now and then. Yeah. And and I mean, I've, I've said it here. I mean, it would be mutually beneficial for Baker and the Browns to put everything aside and have him start for the season if Deshaun is suspended, but I also acknowledge it's not going to (laughs) happen. Like that bridge has been burned and no one is looking to rebuild it uh, very quickly. But I mean, I mean, look, you texted this right before we recorded um, about Baker Mayfield and over the weekend, there was the longer this drags on, the worse this stuff is going to get. But there was the report of a mystery team. Seattle's reported interest is uh, depending whose tweet you see, they're either super interested or they're not interested at all. But uh, I mean, you basically texted out that, I mean, to, to paraphrase, it, it almost feels like Carolina or bust right now. Yeah, that that's what I've kind of maintained since talks broke down draft weekend. Within two days after that, I think, or some something along those lines, I wrote a column saying, go back to Carolina and get this deal done. And I've never come off of that position. When you have somebody interested in your product as much as they were to the point where you had very serious trade talks, okay? Uh, then that's who you're going to try to close the deal with. I've never, have you seen me jump on the Seahawks bandwagon at all, Dan? I haven't. I haven't. We've, we've talked about it, but it's always just sort of been like, it's, it's always been focused on Carolina. Like that's the team. (laughs) Exactly. And when I have mentioned the Seahawks, even recently, when I wrote a story that said that the Panthers are still a very realistic possibility, I put in there that the Seahawks are still intrigued by Baker Mayfield, but not enough to trade for him. They're, they would jump in and get very interested in the, I'm told, in the event that talks break off again with the Panthers, and they might, um, and that the Browns just get frustrated and, and cut him, or really drastically lower and reduce the price. At this point, the Seahawks thing is not front burner. And I I don't know that there is a mystery team. I still think that the Panthers are a possibility and that that's what they're going to try to make happen. If they can't make it happen and it might not happen. I mean, if it were, if it were that easy, it would have happened by now. If it were that easy, it would have happened already. So obviously there's some snag, there's some holdup, but I still think, that that is uh, the number one thing that is cooking. At at what point, I I guess it almost feels like even still Carolina probably has the leverage in that they can just sort of say, all right, we're going to walk away and you guys are still stuck with Baker. Um, But at, at what point do the Browns maybe gain a little bit of leverage back? Is it the closer we get to training camp? Yes. As I've talked about before, there are certain key points at which these things get done and which there is a sense of urgency. There was one around draft weekend because that is when 
a lot of these kinds of trades happen. So that was one point. And, uh, and at that point, you would, um, you know, you would have been able to get him in for OTAs, get the playbook in his hands, get him acclimated to his new team. And then uh, there was another one that happened at minicamp. The Panthers and the Browns had the same minicamp, June 14th to the 16th. There was hope that perhaps something could get done then. Even Baker said he was frustrated when something didn't happen for minicamp. Uh, now there is a sense of urgency to get him into someone's training camp because you really want to hit the ground running. And you don't want to, like you said, it's July 22nd for the reporting date. You don't want to wait until July 28th and you're handing him his playbook and saying, hey, here, meet Robbie Anderson, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know, you, you have to get him up and running. You have to, you know, he's coming off of a surgery. I mean, there are a lot of things that that would have to go on. Um, so I do think there is starting to now be a little bit of pressure to get it done and, and we'll see where it goes. So there was a question about, um, a scenario where the Browns keep Baker, uh, for the entire season and he just doesn't play. And this comes from the 916 area code. Hey, Mary Kay, let's say the Browns just keep Baker for the season and he signs with another team after, would they get a comp pick? And does the value of that pick change how they look at trade offers? So um, I was kind of looking into this a little bit. There is a scenario where they would get a comp pick. And that, that usually just has to do with, you know, players you lose versus players you sign. Um, so it's hard to say right now if they would get a comp pick if he walked. We, we can't really say that for sure. But it, yeah, I mean, they could potentially get one. It wouldn't be that high. But does that play into this idea of what they want back in compensation? I mean, it might to a certain degree, but like you said, there's a formula that those comp picks go by. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference one way or the other. I don't think we're going to be talking about a super high draft pick in this situation anyways, because when a player is entering the final year of his contract, uh, unless you know that you're going to keep him around and restructure a deal and you're going to have him for a couple of years, you're not going to give up a high pick for somebody that could potentially be gone after this year. So I don't think that's a huge factor. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of kind of working out the money and the compensation. And I've written this several times. I think the Browns are at the point where uh, th that they would pick up half that $18.86 million salary or somewhere in that neighborhood if they get a decent draft pick in return. Yeah, I just I, I wonder what that pick is is going to look like. Um, mm -hmm. Like, what what do you think the highest pick they can get would be? Well, if, I, let's take away like a quarterback gets hurt. Let's just take make it a normal trade to Carolina. There's no injury involved, no desperation. What do you, what do you think the highest pick they could get in? Well, let's look at. I'm I, I want to refresh my memory, and maybe you have this front of mind, but. What picks do the Panthers have next year? Because they traded, I think, they traded up to get Matt Corral. And so we need to look up real quick what their picks are for next season. Okay, 2023, they've got a round one pick. They've got a round two, assuming this is right. Um, they traded a third round pick. It looks like, um, yeah, 2023 third. Uh, they have a four and a five, and 
it looks like they gave up a 2023 sixth in a different trade. Um, that would have been the Stefan Gilmore trade. So it looks like they have a first, second, fourth, fifth, and seventh. I mean, maybe you do something like the third rounder in 2024 or something. The farther you go out with the pick, the higher you would net, you know, normally get. I don't know if a fourth round would be enough if you're giving up that kind of money uh, now that they don't have that third rounder for 2023. Uh, so again, money and pick will go hand in hand. Um, but I would go for the 2024 third round pick and half the salary, something like that. Yeah, I, and I, even if you've got like a fourth, I think any sort of late day two or early day three pick would be like, I mean, if you got that for a quarterback you don't want and you, you've got to pay some of the money, I, I think you just take it. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we've gotten to a point where it's like, it's just going to be better for him to not, to not be here especially if Deshaun is suspended for 10 games or 17 games or what, and it does come back into this discussion of should Baker play for you. I just don't think you want to even entertain that idea. Just, just get him out. No. And you can see how distracting it already is to have him around. Right. I mean, we, we can't shake people from the thought that he's coming in riding on the white horse and taking them to the playoffs this year. People <laughs> were so all in on Baker Mayfield that it's very difficult to get a lot of people or some people off that point. People don't want to believe necessarily that it's over quite like that. Uh, but, but I would do it for something like that. I don't know if I would do it for the, I would try to hold out for the third in 2024, something like that. I, I think that's sort of reasonable, but again, I don't know. It will, that's if they have to give up the, you know, almost, you know, a little over $9 million. Uh, I, I think you would want, I think you'd want a third round pick for that if you could get it. Okay, let's take a break and then let's get to some questions that don't have to do with Deshaun Watson or Baker Mayfield. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. This comes from Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, given his injury history, how many games does Denzel Ward need to play this year to justify his contract extension? You know, I'm going to say 15, you know, we'll give him a little leeway. He's coming off of a foot injury. He was at a boot in his, at his youth football camp a couple of weeks ago. That's not a huge shocker. I knew he was going to have to be rehabbing throughout this time until camp, but you know, you're going to want him to stay healthy enough to play 15 games. You know, you could get away with 14. I think they build in a little bit of missed time for him. Certain players are just built a little differently and you're going to have some tweaks and some pulls and things here and there. And he has been a little bit prone to that. Uh, so, I mean, they could probably live with three missed games, ideally two, four, you're starting to stretch it a little bit, but I don't think that that would be a deal breaker for, for them either. If it were four, they have good depth at the position now, some really good depth and, and they could live with that. So somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, I, I just 
obviously he's got to be on the field a, a decent amount, but yeah, probably that four, you know, he had missed four. What was it? His first three years, he had missed four games and, and you got by, you were fine. Um, but yeah, if, if you can get 15 a year out of him, I, I think you're okay with all that money you're paying him. Um, a couple uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt questions because uh, I'm going to be writing about them as part of our Browns key question series. And, and I gave a little preview to our texters uh, just about this idea of, is this kind of the last ride with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt given the contract situations? And Derek in Grand Rapids, Michigan replied, Hey, Mary Kay. Everyone talks as if the Browns run game is a lock to be great again this year, but with both Chubb and Hunt sent to turn set to turn 27, how many more years do you expect them to be in their primes? It's a really good question. Running backs uh, start to run out of steam earlier than wide receivers and, uh, and quarterbacks because of the pounding that they take. Uh, so once you start to get up into the 28, 29 year old range, uh, you really start to get some injuries and you start to lose some of your effectiveness. So I think the two of them together. Now, having said that, Nick Chubb seems to defy a lot of odds, right? I mean, we saw that, you know, he was a little bit banged up last year and so was Kareem. And you hope that trend doesn't continue with those two guys. Um, but Nick might want to might be one of those freaks of nature that just stays playing at an incredibly high level until he's 29, 30, 31. You know, it remains to be seen. I, it wouldn't shock me. Um, but I would say, I, and I've said this before, I think the Browns are considering probably pretty seriously letting Kareem Hunt play out this contract and then seeing if there's right price, right player after that, the way they kind of did with Jarvis Landry. And I think he would be more apt to take a hometown discount, in his case, a literal hometown discount, to stay here and play with the Cleveland Browns, a team that believes in him, where he's at home, where he wants to take this team to the Super Bowl. Uh, but it almost seems like it's probably headed towards a playout type of situation. Uh, and he's going to have to set that aside in his mind and just go out and use it as fuel to have a really, really great season. But I don't see a long-term future for those two together. Yeah, it, it seems like it, it's difficult to see. But just going back to, to Chubb, I mean, may, maybe there's a chance where this guy is just Adrian Peterson and he's just going to play till he's 35 and just be able to carry the football. It, it just feels like he's built for that. And the other thing, too, and, and you've pointed this out, is he doesn't have the wear and tear. Uh, on his body. I mean, one of the really impressive things about a guy like Derrick Henry is, you know, he had back-to-back 300 carry seasons in 2019 and 2020, and he was headed that way in 2021, uh, but he ended up missing time. Nick Chubb has had a career high of 298. That was in 2019. And other than that, he's only had one other season over 200 carries. He's had 2018 and 2020 were both under 200 carries. So now, obviously, again, he was dealing with injury a little bit in 2020 as well, but he hasn't carried the football a ton. It's not like he's carried the ball 320 times a year. Absolutely. And that has been a key. It's been a key to have Kareem Hunt here to take some of that pressure off of him. Uh, it, it's really helped him stay healthy, not only for a season, for the most part, uh, but into the fourth quarter of a game where then he can average 10 yards per carry keeping his legs fresh. The Browns have done a masterful job 
of managing his career. And it's been great for Browns fans because who doesn't love Nick Chubb, right? I mean, he's been so great for the team. He's been great for the city. He's great for morale. People love a running back like him that'll just run through the wall for you and never say die. What a runner he is. How much fun has he been to watch over these years? Uh, my goodness. And it has upheld the tradition of the great Browns running backs through time, Jim Brown, right? I mean, Leroy Kelly. So, so it's really been a feel good story uh, to have Nick Chubb. And, and you're right about that. He hasn't had the wear and tear on his body and he's going to keep going for a couple more years. Okay. Barry Gray from Los Angeles has a question about Kareem Hunt. Uh, he says, Hey, Mary Kay, if the Browns did make the decision to cut or trade Kareem Hunt after this season, what are the odds Dearness Johnson would be promoted as the number two running back? Well, it's, it's a great question. It is a great question because they have some wiggle room and they can work with things a little bit. He's heading into the final year of his contract and Kareem Hunt is heading into the final year of his contract. So both of those guys are probably not going to be back. And they've got young guys coming up behind them in uh, Jerome Ford and Demetric Felton. And in the world of analytics, you don't want to be paying running backs a bunch of money if you don't have to. And you don't want to be paying older running backs, especially a ton of money. But if Kareem ends up being gone, uh, and again, I think they can do some kind of an incentive-laden contract that keeps him around. Uh, but if he is gone, that does pave the way. It opens the door for uh, for Dearness to stick around and to get his opportunity. But if if Jerome Ford shows that that he's ready for the big time to step in there, I think that's significant. And the same thing with Demetri. Okay, this comes from Brian in Delaware, Ohio, and he says, uh, Hey, Mary Kay, I looked back at the Managing Super Bowl-bound High Expectations articles uh, you were writing a year ago after the promising 2020 season. Could you have ever conceived the events of the past year, and where does this chaos rank in history? That's a great, great, great question. It really, really is a great question. I think we all had pretty high hopes for uh, Baker Mayfield and what he would be able to accomplish with that off, off season last year. I mean, with that season last year, with this, you know, in his second year in Kevin Stefanski's scheme with Odell and Jarvis and everybody. Uh, and so, no, I really didn't envision it was going to be that bad. I just did not see that coming like that. And who knows what would have happened had he not suffered the injury. Nobody will know. We're never going to get the answer to that. The only way we'll get some idea, and it will never be apples to apples, is if we see him play again with a pretty darn good football team. And, uh, you know, we can really see if he, you know, has what it takes to succeed in the NFL. So, no, I did not see it coming down like this at all. It, this whole situation ranks way <laughs> high on the list. I mean, it. It could be number one. I think it's number one. It's aside from the Browns moving out right. Cleveland. I mean, now the Bernie Kosar, you know, diminished skills thing was huge at that time. That's high up on the list. But I think this takes the cake. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, it is funny to kind of look back at last year, like where we were a year ago at this time. And 
I mean, we were asking questions about Baker Mayfield, but we were also doing, I mean, what was the topic du jour that all a whole off season, like should the Browns extend Baker Mayfield? Like it was a legitimate discussion. Like, should the Browns just do an extension? Um, even if there were some questions about him. And so while I don't think anyone ruled out the idea that there could be a new quarterback, I don't think anybody expected, especially based on where the Deshaun Watson thing was at the time that this team would have given up three first round picks and made Deshaun Watson the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Like, I mean, there, there was no way anybody could conceive of, of all of that this time a year ago. And now you throw in everything that that's happened since they made that trade. uh, Some of the information that's come out. I mean, we're all just sitting here waiting for this, you know, potential suspension to come down. You're going to be getting on a flight to London. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's uh, it all feels very chaotic right now. Yeah, it does, especially because um, here we are on, we are taping this on July 5th. Training camp opens in 22 days. And that's like about three weeks from now. <laughs> and the Browns have no idea how many games they're going to have Deshaun Watson for this season. Fans don't know whether to get excited and think the Browns are going to the Super Bowl this year or to get bummed out and not have Deshaun for the whole season. So this is this is very, very, very chaotic. I will I, I will revisit the fact though that I think we did at least question some things about Baker heading into last season. Or at oh least yeah. Yeah, like, for sure. It was heresy to do it. I mean, like you weren't supposed to do it. We didn't want to like really rain on anybody's parade last year. You know, you don't want to, uh, you know, do that when everybody's so excited about the season. But I think one thing that we kept saying over and over, how our defense is going to defend Baker Mayfield in his second season in Kevin Stefanski's system. It was a very real question that we didn't know the answer to. And I think, we found out that at least in part uh, defenses have caught on to some things that he doesn't do that well. And they took them away. And how much of that was injury, how much of it was just the fact that, you know, he struggles within the pocket from a height standpoint. And uh, if you can't roll out and, and, you know, run off the, the bootleg that, you know, that that could make things difficult for him. So I think we saw some of those things and if he is going to be very successful in the NFL, he's going to have to learn how to beat those things. Yeah, it's um, it's just even with all of that, like even with all the questions we had about Baker, like you, you would think if they were going to move on, it would have been a nice clean break and everything would have just, okay, you trade him somewhere, you, you draft a guy or you sign somebody or something like that. And then it's just turned into Baker's still on the roster, Deshaun Watson's on the roster. We are still waiting to find out if Sean Watson's going to be suspended. It's just, again, no, nobody could have predicted all of this, even if you thought Baker wasn't going to be here at, at this time a year ago. Um, that nobody certainly could have predicted. And then you throw in the injury too, right? I, I mean, you mentioned it, the injury to Baker and how he played hurt and just the discord between him and the coaching staff. Again, not super surprising necessarily in the sense that sometimes these quarterback and coach arranged arranged marriages just don't work, but just the way it all sunk so quickly was still very surprising. And I think another key reason for all of that, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this is the fact that landing Deshaun Watson was a long shot and it was always going to be a real long shot. And I don't think the Browns ever really felt 
uh, that in the end, it would it would work out quite like this because they knew that he was going to have plenty of teams from the South that were interested in him and that he was going to have to overcome not wanting to play in the cold weather and in the snow and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't think they ever really counted on him ending up here. I think they really, truly felt that unless they got a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson, it was going to be Baker Mayfield 2022, and then they would figure out their quarterback next year. <laughs> I mean, even a couple of days before Deshaun made that decision, it felt yeah. like a long shot. Um, okay, so there we go. It's uh, <laughs> It does feel like it's a constant state of chaos sometimes covering this football team but uh training camp getting closer and of course now uh if, if you want to become a football insider subscriber that's where we got these questions from uh get on board now before training camp starts cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page uh where we will uh we'll text you about the chaos as it happens that's uh that's what football insiders all about and then of course make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen because if news does break uh sometime over the next few weeks we'll have some emergency podcasts and we're still going to be coming to you uh, five days a week. Uh, we've got some really fun podcasts coming up, a couple interviews coming up. Uh, so you'll want to be subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mary Kay, I will talk to you later. Sounds great. <laughs>